2: Would you like this show and you want to help support us? Would you like us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro become a Patreon supporter of this very show. back to another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro show and my name is Jason Robbins and my name is Derek Diamond So how has your week been my friend
3: it hasn't been too bad you know I had um, oh so uh, I did survive the 15k Oh yeah how was that? that that I did that I did on Saturday so my goal was to average nine and a half minutes per mile now keep in mind this is a nine mile run, but when I finished i got my results and it turned out I averaged nine minutes a mile, so nice. I beat my goal by thirty seconds <laughs> that's awesome which was really cool um i I haven't trained this hard for something fitness related in a while because I, I I've done the keto diet since right after Thanksgiving mm-hmm. but I didn't have any You know, pretty much nothing besides water to drink for two or three weeks. So, at every run, you get complimentary beer for finishing the run. (laughs) So I go to the table and they have, I think they have like Michelob Ultra or something. But then they had this um, mixed drink that was called Runner's Rum. Mm. So I just, I just grabbed it, and it tasted just like fruit punch. (laughs) So I, I inhaled the first cup Uh and i ended up having a couple of cups later so um did that uh hung out with friends for the super bowl i've had actually quite a a busy work week so um it's gonna be i'm actually gonna be going out of town to um daytona this weekend which should be fun it'll be good to Get away from here for a few days yeah my my friends who are in a band they've got a show in tallahassee friday night and then daytona on saturday so awesome gonna go out of town with them to get away from here for a bit yeah other than that you know just still still doing my usual stuff i got to do um last night you know we're recording this on wednesday night i did a oscars prediction show on facebook live that was a lot of fun so Yeah, I even, um, for since it was for the Oscars, I actually wore uh, a suit for the,
2: oh, for the yeah? podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah? That's awesome.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like we're doing the video stuff, you know, you got to have fun with it. Oh, yeah. People can actually see you, so you can be a little more animated, and the fact that, you know, I dressed up for it and everything was, was a lot of fun, so. <laughs> I, I've been having a blast doing the live shows. You know, the, the turnout has been decent. Yeah. The interaction has been good, so... It's it's going to be impossible to do it every single week, but I I am going to do it at least for the foreseeable future as often as I possibly can.
2: Yeah, those are good though. I I enjoy those. Yeah. But what about you? Uh, well, uh, not a whole lot. Just um, had a doctor's appointment today, and uh, hope it's nothing too serious. <laughs> um, uh, let's see, what do we do this weekend? I'm trying to. My memory has been like crap lately. I've been so tired. Because we've just been going, like, nonstop for weeks. Yeah. But uh, I had a bunch of um, comedy shows lately and all that kind of stuff. So just uh, not stopping, basically. Aren't you doing one? Well, I guess if people are listening on the download,
3: wouldn't it be today?
2: Uh, Yeah. Or is that next week? (laughs) It'll be tonight, actually, if you're listening to this on the day. That this comes out, it'll be at the um, the Love Shack in Ocean Springs at 8 o'clock.
3: Such a great name. Yeah. <laughs> if, got... if I could make it, I would totally show up in a Chrysler as big
2: as a whale. Yeah, And it's about to set sail. <laughs> it <laughs> seats about 20. Uh, yeah, you took that line from me. <laughs> uh, I hate that song so much. That's like... If you go to karaoke, you're guaranteed to hear that song at least two to three times at karaoke. It's one of those songs that's
3: so obnoxious, I can't help but love it, because yeah. I, I'm a troll by nature, so <laughs> when, I, when I hear it, I have to sing it.
2: Uh, no. Please don't, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
3: save it for Pensacon.
2: Alright, Well, on that note, let's go ahead and move into the news, shall we? Sure. From NintendoLife.com, Battleaxe, a retro-inspired arcade adventure, hits Kickstarter with an eye on Switch. Um, Yesterday we saw a rather tasty-looking project launch on Kickstarter, inspired by classic arcade titles like Atari's Gauntlet and Sega's Golden Axe. Given the team's heritage and sheer gorgeousness of the art, we thought we'd share it with you lovely lot. As you can see from the campaign trailer uh, in the actual article, Battleaxe is a top-down fantasy arcade-style game with a hectic hack-and-slash gameplay that the makers hope will revitalize the genre with new gameplay elements, improved controls, amazing pixel art. Um, You can play either solo or multiplayer, and you get a choice of three heroes to play as you battle through hordes to take on evil sorceress Etheldred, a 'er ne'er-do-well who's making life miserable for everyone in your homeland of Mercia. Um, did you actually get a chance to look at the uh, the gameplay footage? This looks like a um like the artwork reminds me a lot of like uh like maybe World of Warcraft or maybe a little more cartoony than World of Warcraft, but it's definitely got that Diablo kind of dungeon crawler vibe to it, like like the original gauntlet game.
3: Yeah, I I thought the same thing. You know, it, it reminds me a little bit of that Super Nintendo era of top-down RPGs. Like a, it's like a an animated Secret of Mana.
2: Yeah, it in, does. In, in my opinion. Yeah, it's got that real cartoony vibe to it, but it's all about you know wizards and warriors type of aesthetic. So if that's if you're into that, then this is definitely the project you need to go check out. You can get to it on the NintendoLife.com. Website, and I think I said, um, at the time of writing the project is one quarter funded with just over 10,000 pounds of a 40,000 goal and 29 days still to go. So it looks like it's going to hit its goal pretty quick,
3: yeah, which is awesome. You know, so many of these crowdfunding projects don't work out, yeah, that when they do, and especially with it being a quarter funded already, is is nuts. I'm thinking about uh.
2: I'm thinking about throwing in on it myself because I would love to have this for Switch. Oh, it'd be great. And we can do a review for it. Absolutely.
3: I'm happy you gave me this story. <laughs> <I>
2: was, I've <laughs> been wondering your take on this because we've been so, talking about this for, what, like a year and a half now?
3: Possibly even longer. So this comes to us from the Register.co.uk. Atari would love to ship its VCS console, but would you believe it? There's yet another delay, and this time, it's the coronavirus's fault. <laughs> if you splashed out, you may get one befo- before the heat death of the universe. <laughs> uh, this is already my favorite news site we've ever yeah. used. Long-suffering Atari lovers will have to wait even longer for their overpriced, underpowered retro console, the, inter- the intellectual property shell company that owns the Atari brand warned on Tuesday. This time, it isn't because there is a, there is a new AMD chip or because the accessories aren't ready, or its chief architect has quit claiming he hasn't been paid for six months. Hmm. No, this time, it's the coronavirus. <laughs> the biz announced we are in close contact with our teams in China. When the factory reopens, they will gauge the impact that the coronavirus may or may not have on the next few weeks of production. It's been two and a half years since Atari said it would relaunch its iconic VCS console, initially called the Atari Box, almost certainly in an effort to ride the hype over a new Blade Runner movie that featured Atari's logo. The company had no blueprints, no plans, and no hardware staff at the time. Yet the idea took off and it banked $3 million in pre-orders. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I know the coronavirus is a big thing right now. But this this is like the Ferris Bueller. This is such of a scam. Consoles.
2: This is such a scam. Yes.
3: It, it really is. And we've called it from the very beginning that there was just something not quite right about this story from the first time we reported it. <sighs> It smelled fishy. And I think we have, in multiple occasions, been proven right.
2: Yeah. I mean, and the scary part is, I mean, do the people that back this thing... Like, that's what I always wonder about Kickstarter. Like, if something gets funded, and you never... And and whatever you funded, like, doesn't see the light of day. Like, something like this. Some sort of tech object. And it doesn't happen... Do you can you get a refund or because Kickstarter is not going to give you a refund? They're just the middleman. You have to get a refund straight from whoever you you know the company you're doing business with. And if they don't have if if they go bankrupt or or dissolve, what do you are you just out that money? Is there any legal recourse? That would be my question. My.
3: My guess as far as if someone can get their money back, I would say no, but I'm not too well versed on the legal matters of of that type of thing.
2: I mean, best case scenario, it would have to be a um, class action suit because the money you would spend on lawyers and everything fighting this is a hell of a lot more than the $329 you would spend to, to have this thing get made. I mean, you're just going to have to eat that 330 bucks. So I guess that's the, that's the dark corners of uh, Kickstarter, especially for stuff like this.
3: Well, let me ask you this. Let's just say this finally does happen. Is it really going to be worth <laughs> all the delays not, and what you pay
2: for? Not a chance in hell. I mean, this exactly. thing would have to come out. With at least the the power of a PS4 or something like that, I mean, this is 330 bucks these people are spending on this thing. I mean, PlayStation 4s are like 200 dollars right now. Like why would you spend 330 dollars on basically uh a, a Raspberry Pi to to play your you know, retro Atari games on? That's just stupid.
3: And it's a shame because it could be a decent retro console. Mm-hmm. Not not on the level of the Sega or the NES or SNES. Yeah, but not,
2: not a chance in hell. Nobody is clamoring for Atari stuff.
3: I think it would have its little niche, but I don't think it would be enough to really justify getting
2: it made. Yeah. And, and the next, next story we're about to go to is even more bonkers. Uh, it's another Atari story. We're going to segue right into this one from the daily Saba.com. Atari to open chain of video game themed hotels in the U S Atari, the arca- arcade game company that ushered in the gaming revolution of the eighties is opening eight video game themed hotels across the United States, including, including ones in Las Vegas and Phoenix. Uh, I know also there's one opening up in Seattle. Uh, The company said this week it will break ground in its first hotel later this year in Phoenix as it seeks to create a unique lodging experience combining the brand with a video game-themed destination. And the quote... Atari Hotels level up hotel entertainment with fully immersive experiences for every age and gaming ability, including the latest in VR and AR, the company said in a statement. Select Hotels will also feature state-of-the-art venues and studios to accommodate eSports events. Uh, let's see, all of, this is all about the GSD group, blah, blah, blah. Um, The Atari that we've known back in the 70s, you know, the, the Atari that was founded by Nolan Bushnell... You know who eventually went on to to do Chuck E. Cheese. Um, this is not the same company. He doesn't. The, the original people that did the Atari itself are those people aren't around anymore. This is basically what it said in the last article. It is a shell company that bought the Atari brand, basically, and now they're trying to squeeze out weird stuff with it, like this. Like who is. It, Looking to be like, you know what? I want to go stay in the Atari Hotel. <laughs> I mean, really? Hilton, Hyatt, Atari. Atari. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my
3: uh, my question is why?
2: Why? That's what? my question. Why?
3: Now, if you if you want to throw out a Nintendo themed hotel, I, was, I will stay there in a
2: heartbeat. Dude, you read my mind. If you if they had an, a Nintendo themed Hotel, I'm there in a second. But you would have that hotel. That would be a hotel that would be like in New York, Las Vegas, and probably like uh, Universal Studios or something. You're in Los Angeles. Like, I can understand that. But an Atari hotel in Phoenix, Arizona, like, who the crap is going to stay there? Well, let's not forget new hotels are being planned for Denver,
3: Austin. (laughs) Texas or no Austin, Texas, Seattle, San Francisco, and San Jose.
2: Yeah, because we know there's a big Atari presence in San Jose. <laughs> really?
3: Uh,
2: what is happening? Like, are we we're killing
3: it in that San Jose market? <laughs> God. We're
2: living in an alternate universe. I'm. No, I am so convinced of that right now
3: it's It's like the Twilight Zone.
2: I mean, I'm not trying to sound negative. We've been negative on the last two stories, but this this is not the Atari of my childhood. This is just some random people who bought the i p and they're trying to squeeze money out of it, thinking it's got worth like this, and it doesn't. I'm sorry. nobody is clamoring for for Atari stuff.
3: No
4: Absolutely those
2: people not. that would be like that remember Atari are people that are older than me. Like, people in their 50s who are like, oh, I had an Atari back in the late 70s, early 80s when I was a kid. Like, even the Atari was old when I was a kid.
3: Yeah. I I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I, I really don't. Let's move
2: on from this crap. <laughs>
3: yeah. So, our next story is not related to Atari. This comes to us from IGN. Animal Crossing New Horizons may not support console save transfers. Hmm. I love the little headline at the end. Truly trapped on that island. Yeah. <laughs> Animal Crossing New Horizons may not let you transfer your save data from one Nintendo Switch console to another. It's where it apparently says on the back of the game's German download card, which was recently shared and translated into English in the Reset Era forums. The transfer of user and save data between consoles is not supported by the software, reads the translation of the download card. If this is true, that means you won't ever be able to take your save game over to a newer Switch console should you buy one. Good to know if you already own a Switch but intend on buying the newly announced Animal Crossing New Horizons Special Edition Switch at some point. And this next sentence sums up my thought on this whole thing. You better hope that your Switch doesn't ever break so you have to buy a new one, too.
2: I mean... I'll be honest. I don't understand Nintendo's reasoning behind this. Because you're only going to be able to have, like, one... It's basically like a save game, all right? Like, you have the island, but you're not allowed to have, like, another island or another save game. ...on the same Switch. Like, you have to get a brand new Switch in order to have, like, a different island. Because the way Animal Crossing, from what I... I never played it on the uh, the GameCube, but, like, back in the either. GameCube days... that ...you could have different farms on different uh, save cards. And you could take those save cards over to, you, say, like, your friend's house who had Animal Crossing... And you could put that save card in his GameCube, and you could take your characters into his game, and that's mm-hmm. how that worked. But you can have as many saved farms as you wanted. But for this, it's like it's you only get like one island per switch, and that's just that's a weird thing to me. I don't really understand Nintendo's thinking behind that.
3: Yeah, it says here up to eight players registered as users on a Nintendo Switch console can live on one shared island and up to four residents of one island can play simultaneously on one console. But only one island can exist per Nintendo Switch console. That's,
2: that's just, just weird to me. They, I mean, maybe I'm just being paranoid. That just seems weird to me for like absolutely no reason.
3: Well, it's just Nintendo has a tendency to do something that's not necessarily awful, but it just makes you scratch your head like, what were you guys thinking? Yeah. And that is the situation. I don't get it. On a side note, I actually do think the, the Animal Crossing switch looks kind of cool. It does
2: look cool. Uh, if I, you know, had some extra cash, I would actually get one, but I don't yeah. have the extra cash for that.
3: Uh, that's I'm right there with you.
2: Yeah, I like the uh, the the um paisley color palette it's got on it yeah <laughs> no, it it looks it looks very artsy yeah i'm interested in playing the game but i mean i'm not going to be there day one but so many people love this game that uh mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm down to try it is, when it comes out
3: yeah it's overdue for me to try it so i, I think i'll i will i am in the same boat you are I'm not going to get it day one when it comes out, but at some point, I I will want to play it.
2: Yeah. And for our last story, and this is exciting, it comes from IGN.com. Netflix's Castlevania Season 3 release date set for March 5th. Uh, The third season of Netflix's Castlevania animated series is coming soon. Today, Netflix tweeted a new poster and an official release date for the third season, which arrives on Thursday, March 5th. Um, they initially renewed Castlevania for a third season in October of 2018, days after season two debuted, um, let's see, news comes a few months after Netflix Nordic tweeted and deleted a message indicating season three would be released in early 20. While that tweet appears to have been an error, it turns out it was technically correct. I, um... It says the plot of Season 3 remains under wraps, but that doesn't really matter much to me. As long as I know that Season 3 is coming, I'm more than happy to be surprised at what the uh, the story holds for us in Season 3.
3: Yeah, I am stoked I for love the show
2: so freaking much. Uh, I've watched it all the way through three times.
3: That's dedication.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's so uh, good. I, I think love it. I love the art style. I love the story. It's just so good.
3: And we want to give a shout out to the fact checker to the fact checker. Tyler Watson, who sent us this uh, this story a few days ago. (laughs) I'm really excited. You know, Castlevania, I've beat this point to death, it seems like. But I, I wasn't into Castlevania when I was growing up. But the show made me a fan of it. Oh, yeah. And well, honestly, what we should do that weekend is because I'm sure both of us will watch the full season like that following week. We should do just like a
2: full season review. Oh, I'm down for that.
3: Like we could dedicate the whole show to
2: it. Absolutely. I, we could do the entire series so far. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Oh, I love it so much. I'm so excited about that. <laughs> I am. I am shutting down for that weekend so I can just binge the whole thing. I wonder how many episodes are going to be in this season. I hope at least eight. Eight to ten would be nice.
3: I'm hoping for ten.
2: Yeah. Ten Ten,
3: I think is a nice good number.
2: Twelve is pie in the sky, but ten would be good. Yeah. Ten's the the sweet spot. Absolutely. But uh, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. In February of 1982, Atari releases the early survival horror game, Haunted House. Did you ever play Haunted House for an Atari 2600?
3: I did not, and I will say, as no offense to the month of January, but it was a struggle for gaming history. Yeah, (laughs) it (laughs) always is.
2: (laughs) I had Haunted House for the 2600 when I was a kid, and I'll be honest, I had no idea what to do. I want to say we've
3: mentioned this game before but I've I could probably count on one hand the number of Atari games that I've played and this is not on it.
2: Yeah. I love the box art though. Yeah, the box art's really cool. Atari always had great box
3: art. For some reason it makes me think of Stranger Things.
2: It does. All those all that old box art like just Man, it made the game look so good. And you're like, I want to play this so badly. And then you get home and it would 90% of the time would just suck. <laughs> like a little dot on the screen. You're like, what, what do I do? This doesn't look like the box.
3: Well, that's how they sold you, is with the artwork. hmm In February 21st of 1986, Nintendo releases The Legend of Zelda, designed by Shigeru Miyamoto for the family computer disc system. The first game in the Legend of Zelda
2: series. Never heard of it.
3: Uh, it's that one game. Um I think the little yellow mouse is in it. Uh yeah, aren't, the, the don't Legendas you play people?
2: Bimmy and Jimmy and you have to go after your girlfriend that was kidnapped and uh Yeah. No, it was <laughs> the other a, game. A bobo. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but no, in
3: all seriousness, I mean, you know, The Legend of Zelda, we've praised this franchise uh-huh. immensely. It's my all-time favorite gaming franchise. I can't get enough of it.
2: Dude, I'm hoping there's another Legend of Zelda announcement at the end of this month.
3: That would be great. Yeah, it would. <laughs> that would be I I have zero doubt there will be something at, at E3 when Nintendo releases their direct.
2: Oh yeah. I hope so. Um, and speaking of Double Dragon, we still need to do the uh the commentary track for that. (laughs) Okay. No, no, it sounds. We'll we'll figure it out. On February twentieth of nineteen eighty seven, Konami releases Contra. Still one of the best uh, Nintendo games out there, in the top five easily. Yeah, it's one of those
3: games that's synonymous with the original NES, yeah. and the, the, the cover art has been parodied quite a few amount of times from uh-huh. what I've seen on the internet, but it's such a good cover art, though.
2: It's a total rip-off of, like, Predator and Alien. It really is. And uh, for those of you who don't know, there's actually a video of me on YouTube defeating it in 30 minutes.
3: Those oh, was it one that you live streamed?
2: Yeah, it was uh it was about 2 years ago I did it. A Year and a half ago I live streamed oh. it and I beat it in uh, a little under 30 minutes. Or like 32 minutes something like that. Nice. It's not a long game. Uh especially when you use the konami code. <laughs> mm. In February of
3: 1989, Atari Games releases the hard-driving arcade game with filled polygon 3D graphics, physics simulation, and a force feedback steering wheel.
2: Hard-driving. Hard-driving, boy. I remember this game in the arcades back in the day. I love how the poster is just someone
3: on the arcade cabinet Yeah. playing it.
2: <laughs> was if episode. I
3: had... If I ever have a decent-sized house, I would love to dedicate a room to being an arcade hmm. and have something like this.
2: Oh, yeah. I would have nothing but old, early 80s games in there. Like Tron. Uh, oh, yeah. Tron would be a necessity. Star Wars, uh, Tempest, all those kind of games. And Ninja Turtles would be the centerpiece of mine. Oh, yeah. i walked walk past uh, the arcade one-up. Uh, Ninja Turtles machine At Walmart the other day And I was like, uh, I started crying <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I do not blame you On that, uh, Luke, I probably would have done the same thing Luke is making his uh, appearance On the show right now, say hi Kitty Kitty
3: Hi Yeah
2: and He hasn't uh, been on in a while Yeah, no, it's been a while, you want to read the next one Kitty? Nah, he don't want to read. Uh, February 6th of 1991, Capcom releases Street Fighter two for the arcades. It becomes a highly successful and is routinely listed as the grandfather of the fighting game genre. It is also credited with revitalizing the arcade game industry at the time and popularizing direct tournament-level competition between players. And what's crazy is this game is still used in competitions today. So, growing
3: up, I was more of a Mortal Kombat fan than I was Street Fighter, but I will totally give this game the credit it deserves. One of the greatest fighting games of all time. Well, I preferred I think...
2: playing Street Street Fighter 2 on the console, but I preferred Mortal Kombat in the actual arcade.
3: I I would agree with that. But I think if you if you were to make a list of the five best fighting games ever made, I think Street Fighter Two has to be on it.
2: Oh yeah, definitely in that and then that list. It, off the
3: top of your head, what would be your top five?
2: Uh well of course Looking Mortal two, Kombat you're... Two. Um mm-hmm. uh, Street Street Fighter Two, um what are the other fighting games that I like? Um
3: I'd throw Smash Brothers Melee on mine.
2: Yeah. I, I honestly like <laughs> the only ones that really readily come to mind are Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat 2 because those are the ones I played the most. Of course, we I mean I we played a lot of Killer Instinct back in the day, but I don't know if that one holds up quite as well as as those do. That's a game that I'm going to
3: review I think in the next couple of weeks. Oh, Killer Instinct. I've had it
2: I've had it for quite a while
3: because I, I bought a a copy of it. Yeah. Maybe 2 years ago. But I I haven't reviewed it yet, so I I think it's overdue
2: that it happens. I do like the Capcom versus Street Fighter game. Yes. That one's really good. That one's probably up there in the top five.
3: Yeah, a game that I think is really underrated, and it would go in my top five just because I played it almost religiously for the GameCube, was Soul Calibur 2.
2: Yeah, Soul Calibur games were
3: good. 'Cause that in that incarnation, so that was during the GameCube Xbox, I think PS two era.
2: Yeah. They would
3: release the they released the game for each console, but each had an exclusive extra character. So that, like mm-hmm. the Xbox version had Spawn. Yeah. And the uh the GameCube version had Link.
2: Yeah, I remember that. I
3: can't remember who was on the PlayStation version though.
2: I did like DC the uh, DC versus Mortal Mortal Kombat. Oh,
3: that was fun.
2: Yeah. Green Lantern the... was way overpowered. Yeah. <laughs> I also remember the
3: Mortal Kombat game. I think it might have been Mortal Kombat 9 that came out for the 360. Yeah. It came with the cuz you could get the bundle that had an actual like arcade um Like the joystick and the three buttons to go along with it. I don't know what it's not like a an arcade cabinet, but like a condensed version of an arcade cabinet. Yeah, but you used it as a controller. That game was fun. Like that game was actually pretty popular when it came out. I remember going to the midnight release of that.
2: Oh yeah, (laughs) the only game I ever went to a midnight release for was um, Burning Crusade from uh, World of Warcraft.
3: Let's see, I did. Halo Reach, Skyrim, and um, Mortal Kombat. Uh, I think I what did a midnight
2: release for Halo 3. Either Halo 2 or Halo 3. Can't remember which one it was.
3: I'll need to find it, but I saw an interesting article on Twitter where it was a, you have to choose, it had like three different rows of game art from like different eras of gaming, and you could only pick one to add to your collection. Yeah. And I remember on the same row was Halo 2 and KOTOR. Wow. (laughs) And I'm like, that's so tough, because Halo 2 was a phenomenal game.
2: I've been hearing rumors that they're doing a a remaster of the KOTOR games. I have too. I'd love to see
3: it, personally. I would
2: love that so much.
3: That would probably be a day one purchase for me if oh, they did absolutely. that. Oh, absolutely. Well, it goes along with the rumors that the next like era of Star Wars is going to be in the Old Republic, or they're calling it the High Republic now yeah. in, in canon. But I, I think if they're going to do another trilogy of movies, I think it's the way yeah.
2: to go. I'm okay with but that.
3: They're, they're supposed to include like video games and all different forms of media will be dedicated to that era, supposedly.
2: <laughs> I'm okay with that. 100%. Yeah, I am
3: too. Let's see. We have February 21st of 1996. The Sega Model 3, an arcade system board considered to have the most technically impressive graphics at the time is released. I feel like we don't talk about too much of the technical side. No, we don't. Of like, like arcades or even consoles. You know, we'll, we'll talk about the actual games themselves, but it's just as important that
2: the actual hardware that you play them on is released. Oh, absolutely. Uh, sorry, I was just looking at the specs on this thing. <laughs>
3: yeah, there's a there's a whole list of different models. Yeah. That's, and, on, that's on that link. And so. all the
2: games that came out for those years that were that used that system board. Yeah. Like you look at some of the games, it has. Uh, Uh, Star Trek Strategic Operations Simulator, uh, Astron Belt, um, Choplifter, Hang-On, Space Harrier, I like I I would get lost looking at that. <laughs> uh February 10th of 1997 Nintendo releases Mario Kart 64.
3: Funny enough, I like Mario Kart 64, but if I were to rank the Mario Kart games like on a list, it wouldn't be in my top 5. Really? Yeah, no it's fun, but I love Double Dash more. Mm-hmm. I like the Wii version is great. Yeah, uh, Mario Kart. I believe it's Mario Kart Eight that yeah. they it was originally on the Wii U, mm-hmm. but then yeah, transferred really over to the Switch. I wonder if they're going to do really another
2: good. Mario Kart before uh, the next console.
3: I don't know. I feel like they normally do just one iteration per console, but the fact that they didn't really add anything new, yeah. Makes me think that there could be another one.
2: Well, that's what I'm thinking is, uh, the, you know, there wasn't one that's technically made for the Switch. This was actually made for the Wii U.
3: Yeah, it was just a port.
2: So we'll see. Maybe that's yeah, something they're but... going to announce next week.
3: Yeah. But Mario Kart 64 is still a fun game. Yeah. And to close us out on February 4th. 2000, hmm. Maxis releases The Sims, the first game of the successful series. I've, other than Sim City for the Super Nintendo, I've not played an actual Sims game, but there are people who obsess with this game.
2: Oh, uh, my girlfriend's playing The Sims 4 right now, and uh, she is completely obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> I only played The Sims, I think I played The Sims on the uh, original Xbox or Xbox 360. I never actually played it on a a computer, which is the way you're really supposed to play it.
3: Yeah. But looking at the the list of platforms that The Sims has been released on, you have Windows, Mac, back to the PS2, uh, GameCube, Xbox, Game Boy Advance, Mm -hmm. PlayStation Portable. Uh, 3DS, Mac OS, PlayStation 4, and it's even now a, a mobile game
2: mm-hmm.
3: for iOS and Android.
2: Yeah, I think it's... they're having a sale on it uh, in the next week or so. If you're interested in playing The Sims 4, it's like 80% off for like one day. I can't remember. We just what day missed
3: it is. the 20 year anniversary of The Sims.
2: I think that's what it was. Whatever day that was for the 20, 20th anniversary, it was like 80% yeah. off for The Sims 4.
3: It was February 4th.
2: Oh, uh, okay. So we missed but it. We... Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> by, by a day. By a day. But uh, we got some shout-outs to do before we move into the review for tonight.
3: Yeah, so as always, we like to give a shout-out to our awesome Patreons. This week, we like to shout-out AxeBlade07 and John Jekyll. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on for us. If you want to be a part of our Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com
2: slash nerd cave retro. And tonight we're talking about... Rogue Squadron 2 Rogue Leader, also known as Star Wars Rogue Leader Rogue Squadron 2, is an action game co-developed by Factor 5 and LucasArts and is the second of three games in the Rogue Squadron series. It was published by LucasArts and released as a launch title for the GameCube in North America on November 18, 2001 and in Europe on May 3, 2002. Um, And I know you guys are like, didn't you just do Rogue Leader? No, I reviewed the one for the N64 a few weeks ago and still thought that that game held up pretty well. But then I played this one, and holy crap, is it a thousand times beyond the N64 version.
3: Well, it's a great example of what a sequel should be. You know, mm-hmm. you, you take a great game that is Rogue Squadron and you build upon it, yeah. but you don't completely deviate from what made it a great game, and that's what Rogue Leader is. I remember being stoked for this game, and especially when they announced that it was going to be a launch title. It was one like this and Luigi's Mansion, both were like, okay, I've I've, I've got to have them. Yeah. But yeah, it's been interesting. You know, you pose the... Uh, doing a dual review for this, and uh, funny enough, I had actually bought it. I think a few days before you did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know you sent me the picture, and I just happened to be at the video game <laughs> trading post a few days before, just having some downtime, and they it was on sale for like ten bucks. Yeah,
2: that's what I bought so, it for, and that's why I w- when I soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh, I'm taking this home with me."
3: Yes. <laughs> but uh, the the cool thing about About this is you you really feel like and I still felt this way, you know, playing it, you know, almost 20 years later, Mm -hmm. you feel like you're still in the movie. Yeah, especially in the first mission when you have to do the Death Star run, Mm -hmm. everything from the score, the voices, everything. It was just I was sucked in from the very beginning again.
2: And like me and you had kind of touched on a a little bit before we started the show tonight. I've forgotten this game is hard. (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, you start off with the, the trench run from a new hope, like that's Mm. your very first mission. And that trench run is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. And one thing I noticed, like I've only gotten to like the fifth or sixth mission so far, in this game, and there is a lot of having to use your targeting computer in this game. I forgot how much of that there was in this one. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, same. I,
3: I'm not as far as you, as far as playing into the game, but I, I'm I'm pretty close to it. There was a lot that I forgot about this game. You know, I had remembered the general consensus of it. Like I knew you did the Battle of Hoth, the Death Star run, the Battle of Endor. But there are other cool missions, too, that kind of tie all that together that you know, aren't in the movies. I, I personally um, I, I don't think I've quite made it there yet, but I remember as a kid really loving the Bespin mission.
2: Yeah, I haven't gotten to Bespin yet. I am at the mission where you're above, I think you're above Endor, and you have to take out a Star Destroyer. And, Mm -hmm. uh, or actually it might be you're above Hoth, like you just escape Hoth, um, after the Hoth battle, and then you take out a star destroyer and then the star destroyer land like crash lands on a planet and you have to defend a rebel transport trying to get, get basically like just get to, um, I don't know exactly what they're trying to do with the downed, um, uh, Star Destroyer, like, a lot of it is, like, I, I have to guess at what's going on a lot of the times. A lot of the mission stuff, like, isn't all that clear because some of the cutscenes are kind of long. Yeah, they are.
3: They really are.
2: And I skip a lot of the cutscene. Like, I go through the cutscene one time. Like, the first time you go through the cutscene, you can't skip. But they're mm-hmm. long, man. They're like five, six, seven minute, minutes long, and you're just like, I just want to play. Like just let me play, damn it. <laughs> I
3: I I don't disagree with you. I remember even the when the game starts, you have to sit through the opening crawl, watch the X Wings leave Yavin to get to the Death Star, and it was like Yeah, it's cool, but I've seen it hundreds of yeah. times. <laughs>
2: No, nah, uh, no, it isn't above Hoth. I think it is near Endor when you're uh, doing that mission. I'm not quite sure. I know that uh, there's a uh, mission right where you have to help some rebels escape a um, uh, a prison facility or something like that. And then mm-hmm. and you go into space, there's a Star Destroyer. That Star Destroyer was freaking hard, man.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, no, it is. And the, the cool thing about this is that the extra missions, to me, kind of seamlessly fit with the stuff from the movies, like the Death Star run. Yeah. Because then you have, I think, one or two other missions before you get to Hoth. Mm-hmm. Then you go through Hoth, and still you know, reenacting that is one of the coolest things. Of yeah. this entire game. Because the Battle of Hoth is one of my favorite sequences in the entire original trilogy.
2: And it's one of the really fun missions in the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I noticed about this game was like, man, the, the graphics really do hold up well in this game. Which surprised me. I was expecting it to not... Because
3: I've watched a little bit of gameplay on YouTube before I actually sat down and played it. Mm. And I was like, it, it looks okay. But, you know, I, I played it on my living room TV, and it looks good.
2: Yeah, I hooked my GameCube. I, I, was, I was actually pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I hooked the GameCube up to my 55-inch, you know, 1080p Emerson in the living room, and it looks great. Like, I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be fuzzy and out of focus, but everything looks really good. I was really surprised. And nothing was stretched out. Like, it just looks good.
3: I'd love, I'd be interested to try out other GameCube games on my TV because normally what I do is I hook up a console to a smaller TV or a monitor so I can still watch TV or have TV on in the background while I'm playing it. Yeah. I'd be curious to see how other GameCube games look on a a larger format television.
2: Yeah, I'll probably do that too. I still have to play uh, Super Mario Sunshine. And also, I picked up the, uh, the the Star Wars Lego game for the GameCube the other day, too. Oh.
3: <laughs> I love Lego Star Wars. Oh, yeah. You you talk about a game that I can get just lost in for mm-hmm. half a day, at least. <laughs> it, it's Lego Star Wars. But uh, to talk a little bit about the plot of the game, uh, it opens with an opening crawl resembling those featured in the Star Wars films uh it does give further story details presented through the game's instruction manual, pre-mission briefings, which i i always thought were kind of cool because you you'd be essentially on the ship from return of the jedi when the alliance is meeting about the final strike on the death star. Yeah. And there are projections and you can hit a button and the voiceover guy will actually like explain what you have to do. Yeah. Which i always thought was kind of cool. Uh, it has character conversations, in-game cutscenes, and movie clips lifted directly from Star Wars films. Uh, and then essentially what you do is after the Death Star run, you then go, you accompany a rebel supply convoy from Yavin to Hoth, which was um, located in the Ison Corridor. Mm-hmm. And you go to Hoth, you do your Empire Strikes Back stuff, and then from there, you do other missions, and it, it ends with the final battle in Return of the Jedi.
2: Which I can't wait to get to.
3: I know. That that was one of the cooler parts of the entire game.
2: I did actually look up a, uh, a cheat code that you can enter into the game to double your lives. So instead of three, you get six. Which doesn't help all that much, but it still lets you get a little bit further than you would have, because you're going to die a lot in this game. Mm-hmm and again that's to me the biggest
3: and maybe it's because i played it so much when i was a kid that it became somewhat easy for me yeah but it's it's challenging but not in the frustrating level of challenge
2: that's that's what i was going to say about it too like it doesn't make you want to Throw the controller against the TV. It's more like just, ah, oh, I almost had it, so I'm just gonna do one more mission. Just try it one more time. That kind of thing. Just one more turn. Another thing I forgot to mention. We talked about this. I can't remember if it was last week or if it might have
3: been the week before, but we talked about wireless controllers and we mentioned the Wavebird. Mm-hmm. I broke out my Wavebird for this, and really, it was, it was great. Because <laughs> when, um. When Smash Brothers Ultimate came out, they released GameCube controllers along with an adapter Mm -hmm. that you could use. But I was like, you know what? I mean, the the cord of the GameCube controller is pretty lengthy. Like, I can sit in my recliner and play, but it's, like, just too short for me to sit on my couch. So, broke out the WaveBird, it still worked, and made it a great experience. That's cool. Yeah,
2: my controller's not quite long enough to let me, like, kick back on the couch, but I can sit forward and play comfortably.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, what what did you think of the, of the extra missions that they added, in, and not just making it a straight-up adaptation of the trilogy?
2: I like that. That's the stuff I really want to see when it comes to, like, Rebel Squadron. I want to see the other missions they had to go on in between the big missions. Like, that's what was interesting about the Rogue Squadron comics. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I like those comics a lot. I still have a lot of those, even though they're not considered canon anymore. I loved seeing what, you know, Wedge was up to while, you know, in between missions. Because even though you're, you're, you're getting some of the big stuff in the movies, there was still a lot of stuff that happened. You know, in between the movies and stuff. So that was, that's what I like about these games.
3: Well, the cool thing about this one is you actually play as both Luke and Mm -hmm. Wedge. Yeah. Throughout the game. You know, you start off as Luke, but then Luke has to go off and do his Jedi stuff. So then you switch over to Wedge, which is, which was really cool. And I, playing this game made me think, and I, I might have mentioned this a couple of weeks ago too. If they really want to keep making Star Wars series, a Rogue Squadron like 8 episode series yeah, would be money. That would be
2: awesome. I'd I'm down there. I'm there for that day one. Yes. And uh, a little Oh, go ahead. I was going to say one of the frustrating things about the game to me and I understand why they did this. They did this in the first game too where each mission you know each different mission has different vehicles that you can use different ships but you can't unlock them all until you play through the mission and get certain um you know metals throughout the mission and I understand why they do that but at the same time there's just some ships that are easier to use than others like I don't like using the B-wing I'd rather just just give me my X Wing and just let me play that. Or some mission let me if you know, some of the missions were like I'm in the B wing, but there's a ton of like you know, tie interceptors coming after you. And I'm just like, please just let me have my X Wing or an A wing <laughs> instead of this giant bulky ship I gotta fly.
3: I could never stand piloting that ship.
2: I hate the B wing. I hate flying the B wing. I mean, it's not terrible. But I'd much rather have either an A-wing or an X Wing.
3: I'm I don't hate the A-wing, but I'm classic X Wing all the way. Yeah. Like I, 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 would...
2: I, I don't like the Y Wing either. I mean, I understand it's useful in some of the missions, like the uh, the freeing the prisoners mission where you gotta bomb the different uh, you know, uh, gun towers and things like that. That's where it's useful, but in space missions, there's like one space mission where you're trying to down this giant gate, like electric gate in an asteroid field that the Empire has set up, and I'm just like, uh, I hate flying this slow piece of crap.
3: (laughs) Something interesting about about, um, Rogue Squadron 2 is... Factor 5 did not have enough time to explore adding a multiplayer mode during development of Rogue Leader because of the short development cycle. While its sequel, Rebel Strike, was released two years later, however, all of Rogue Leader's missions were included in the game as a two-player co-op-only experience. Hmm. Didn't know that. Which I thought was kind of cool. I don't know if I ever Uh, played Rogue
2: Squadron 3.
3: I did. I didn't enjoy it as much as the first two. If I remember right, with Rebel Strike, you had you would do, like, certain parts of certain missions. Like, on the Battle of Hoth, your speeder would have already crashed, and you're playing as Luke, and you have to throw the... I think you have to throw the bomb in um, uh, the yeah. the the walker. And there were other elements to it, I think. I could be remembering that wrong, but if I remember right, it, it was more of, like, a mission within a mission yeah. type of thing. But I haven't played Rebel Strike in, in forever that will be cool, something that I want to talk about at some point. though. The cool
2: thing is Dennis Lawson, who actually played wedge in the movies, like recorded um, new lines for the game,
3: yeah, funny enough, the guy who voiced Luke in um Rogue Leader doesn't sound too terribly different, yeah, at least at least to me, but. Guy, when I was doing the Death Star run and I heard the Vader voice, I'm like, that sounds almost nothing like him. Yeah. <laughs> uh but it's cool of him to do that. I mean, it seems like Dennis Lawson is somebody who's embraced that character oh, and yeah. any chance he gets to play. It. Like even his little appearance in Rise of Skywalker was great.
2: Oh yeah. That's what I was just like, man, they should have gave us more of him. Right. We only saw him for like two seconds like oh there's wedge and then he's gone like damn it did you read about the possible alternate
3: script that Colin Trevorrow wrote
2: yeah i still haven't read it yet i'm interested
3: if i remember there's a youtube video that pretty much sums all of it up that i'll send to you okay i think i I'd I'd watched i love to get that, your thoughts though. on
2: it i think i did watch that the youtube video but i never ever actually read the script i think it was yeah i um, have I haven't read the script either. Yeah, I think it was a video by Stupendous Wave or something like that. One yeah. of the one of the Star Wars channels that I watch on YouTube. Yeah. But um, but uh, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, I was really impressed with the the way the game handled. It handles mm-hmm. so much better with uh, the dual analog, especially with that GameCube controller. Like I wish you could go back and play the original Rogue Squadron with a, a, a GameCube controller. I'm telling you, that's
3: probably the greatest controller ever made. I think so. It's just it, it perfectly fits in my hands. It's the right shape. Mm-hmm. The buttons are placed perfectly. I love the C stick. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's just great. But the game was actually, and not surprisingly, met with critical acclaim as Game Rankings gave it a a score of 90.04, while Metacritic gave it 90 out of 100. David Trammell of Nintendo World Report gave it 9 out of 10 and called it a visual and aural masterpiece. The game has all the bells and whistles you'd expect from a next-generation game, including bump mapping and get this 480p support on the visual end. And five channel surround sound via Dolby Pro Logic Two on the oral end. Yeah. I'd love Mark to hear Salsman this game of Playboy in... gave it a score of ninety.
2: Yeah, I would love to hear this game in five point one surround.
3: Oh my God. <laughs> but just some of the other scores. Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it nine out of ten. Euro Gamer nine out of ten. Game Informer nine point five out of ten. Game Pro five stars. <laughs> Um, IGN, 9.1 out of 10, and also won Editor's Choice. Nintendo Life, 9 out of 10, and Nintendo Power gave it 5 stars.
2: Pretty much ni- uh, a 9 across the board for this game. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and it, it won so... um, the E3 2001 Game Critics Award for mm-hmm. Best Action Game.
2: And it said Rogue Leader sold over 1.3 million copies in the United States and over 750,000 in the UK, making it the seventh best-selling video game in November 2001, the title's debut month, and made it the the best-selling third-party and second best-selling overall GameCube game during the console's launch.
3: I it was it was just one of the best GameCube games ever made and it's it says something to its staying power, the fact that it was a launch title. Yeah. And you could list it as a top 10
2: GameCube game. And you would think a game that that looks and plays this good would be later in the console's life's, lifeline, lifetime because usually launch games aren't this polished. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, a lot of Nintendo stuff is really good. Like, you know, Breath of the Wild was was great. Man, but even like PlayStation you know three and four and Xbox Xbox 360 usually the launch titles are kind of not great I mean like you look at those compared to games that are released like in the last year of a console's life like they're night and day between what people can figure out what a console does but Lucasfilm just seemed to like LucasArts just seem to nail it when it came to Nintendo titles.
3: Well, it was good especially for this because, yeah, you had Luigi's Mansion, but you didn't have a Mario or Zelda title at launch. Yeah. Which is is crazy to think about because Mario Sunshine didn't come out until, I think, the summer of 2002. Do you think that might have been... Wind Waker might have been... It was either 2002 or 2003.
2: Do you think that might have been what added to the uh, the detriment of that console as they didn't have the, the Nintendo first-party titles when it launched?
3: I think so. Even Melee came out a month after the GameCube launch, Yeah, which I thought was inexcusable in yeah. my opinion. That's... <laughs> That's a discussion for another episode. But, uh, but
2: another discussion we just we need to have was like the GameCube was a great console
4: mm-hmm.
2: with great games on it, and I I just don't know why. Other than that, I don't know why it didn't do better.
3: To me, and I I like the GameCube a lot, but to me, that was the start of Nintendo's decline into irrelevance. Yeah. And I think, like you said, the the lack of the big Mario title or the Zelda title at launch didn't do any favors. And Metroid Prime didn't come out until years later. Yeah. As I don't know why they waited so long to release all of these games for it. You know, Metroid Prime, I think, came out in 2004. Yeah. Or something like that.
2: Yeah, it was pretty late in the cycle.
3: Let's see. I'm curious about Wind Waker.
2: I remember Wind Waker was probably later, too. I'm thinking like 2002, 2003. December 13th, 2002. Okay, I knew it was late in a year when it came out, but I couldn't remember if it was 2002 or 2003.
3: For some reason, I was thinking like early 2003, like March. And I want to say Sunshine came out the same year, too.
2: Yeah, I'm looking Yeah, forward August to playing,
3: 26, 2002.
2: Playing Mario Sunshine here pretty soon. I still want to get Metroid Prime for ah, the GameCube.
3: Pr- Prime's good. Yeah. Prime's very good. Mario Sunshine's a very underrated game too. And now's that, the that time. That game was
2: I was going to say so now's the time to be collecting stuff for the GameCube cuz everything's mm-hmm. cheap.
3: Luckily, I've still got a few of my old GameCube games. Like I still had Wind Waker. I still had Mario Sunshine, still had Luigi's Mansion, I had Smash Brothers. Um, I th- yeah, I think I still have my original copy of Metroid Prime, too.
2: Yeah. I want to pick up Resident Evil 4, too, because that was how I played it originally, was on the GameCube, mm-hmm. and I remember it being very, very good on the GameCube.
3: Yeah. Yeah, at some point later this year, I- I'll also want to review uh, Wind Waker. Yeah,
2: that'd be good. I want to go back
3: and I want to go back and play that game again.
2: I may do Resident Evil Four for uh, Halloween Horror Month this year for the GameCube.
3: That's a good idea.
2: But as far as um, a personal score for this game, I mean, I know I haven't finished it, but from what I've played so far, the the aesthetic of the game, how the pulse poundingness of it, like just playing those missions, feels like I'm playing the movie. You know, like uh, this, the Death Star run alone is just so good to start that game off with. I gotta give it a solid nine out of ten. Just, it's just a good game. I mean, it. It this should be in everybody's GameCube collection, and you can pick it up like at any uh, game. You know, retro game store for like like me and Derek both picked it up for ten dollars each. Yeah, I mean that's nothing.
3: Yeah, and I'm with you on the score. I I would give it a solid nine out of ten. Especially it's, if you're a
2: Star Wars fan, yeah. Oh, even better. Yeah.
3: But with if you're collecting GameCube games, if you can only have five in your collection, this is one of the five.
2: I'll say that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You know, th- this was really fun to to go back and play. I'll I'll have to go through. Um, uh, Rebel Strike uh, at some point later on in the year because I, I haven't I remember playing Rogue Leader even you know years after it had come out Rebel Strike I didn't quite have that same attachment to but from what I remember it was still an enjoyable
2: game Yeah. I, I would like to uh, review the Star Wars Lego game that I got as well but I think I'm going to give the Star Wars games a rest for a bit Yeah, we've been playing a lot Which of Star Wars was- stuff lately
3: Between this and then the marathon we had on my show, we've talked about Star Wars a lot.
2: Yeah, we have. (laughs) It's time (laughs) to give give the old Star Wars a rest for a minute. Yeah, but uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about it.
3: Yeah, I I think that pretty well covers it.
2: Great uh, game. So who? uh, How are we? Are we back on schedule next week? Are you doing a a game, or am I doing a game? Uh, We haven't talked about it yet.
3: Um, I mean, it really doesn't matter to me. I I have an idea for, um, if I review a game next week, I already know what I'm going to do.
2: Okay. I might let you do that because I'm not sure what I'm going to review yet. See, I bought, I bought Ghostbusters for the Nintendo at the same time that I bought Rogue Squadron 2, but Mm. it's not, I can't get it to work and I got to try to clean the crap out of it and see if I can get it to work. So it's actually, that's
3: a good segue because next week is when the Sonic movie comes out. Yes. So I will review Sonic Adventure 2 for the
2: Dreamcast. Fantastic. And a nice we, little tie-in. We may have a little emergency podcast after the movie comes out, too. So. <laughs> well, I, I'll go ahead and tell you I'm going to go see it on open. Yeah, I think I'm going to be there, too.
3: Because I know there's a, there's a 5 p.m. showing... And there's a 7.30. I'll probably end up going to the 730 one just because I I don't know if I'm going to be able to get off work early. Yeah. So I'll probably just do the 730 one. But I can't imagine the movie's that long.
2: Nah, it can't be. It it can't be more than 90 minutes.
3: Yeah. I'd say it's an hour 45 max.
2: Yeah. I'm excited for it, though.
3: (laughs) I'm just saying the past couple of clips that I've seen... It's got that Sonic feel to it. They look kind of good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, the cool thing is, and I, we didn't mention this in the, the news portion, but uh, Jim Carrey did say that if a sequel is greenlit, mm-hmm. that he is open for playing Robotnik again. So he must have had a good time. I'm thinking if the sequel happens, and granted I have no clue what's going to happen in the movie... My guess is if they do a sequel, that will be when they introduce more of the Sonic lore stuff, like Tails, mm-hmm. Knuckles. Um, I can't see them introducing the Chaos Emeralds in in this movie, but I could very well be wrong. But who knows? We might get a surprise appearance by like a Tails or another you know animal character.
2: Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, this I'm, movie does well.
3: I will say that if the movie is not good and I'm disappointed, it will probably make for a much better podcast than yeah. if the movie is good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Always. Yeah. But uh, anything.
3: But yeah. That's that's what we'll do. I'll review Sonic Adventure Two, and then if we're if we're able to, we'll do a, a bonus episode, kind of giving our immediate thoughts on the movie.
2: Perfect. So, uh, anything else you want to throw out there before we leave tonight?
3: So I'm fairly confident that by next week's show, we will know the Pensacon panel schedule mm-hmm. from, from my inside source. It's uh it's very close to being done.
2: Fantastic. So Once,
3: once, once we know that, then we'll let everyone know when, you know, nerd cave retro is going to be when defending bad movies is going to be. We'll let you guys know all that stuff. But other than that, you, know, you check out the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. Uh, new episodes come out um, every Thursday. I did. Uh, I did a new logo and graphics package that I unveiled this week. Just because it, I felt like it was time to freshen it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, they look good. No, yeah, I I appreciate it. And plus, now I feel comfortable enough that I can use my actual physical photo <laughs> on a logo. Um, I did a cool a live show this past week giving my predictions for the Oscars. You can go to my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash D Diamond Podcast to watch that. It will be on YouTube as well uh, and usual podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that fun stuff. Uh, I,
2: I, me personally, I don't have much to pimp. Just uh, <laughs> just keep an eye out on my Twitter at Funktastic. And uh, my Facebook for um, any shows I have coming up, but other than that, really all I've got is waiting on Pensacon because that's going to be a full weekend of panels.
3: Yeah, I, I I plan on recording the majority of them that will be used uh, as content in some way.
2: And we definitely have uh, our panel that we're going to record too because that was uh, I love doing the Pensacon panels. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And we'll let you guys know next week when that's going to be. So from where you guys are at PentaCon, we're going to be in prime time, baby. Yes. <laughs> finally. After, that... year, after three years, we finally get good slots.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll say uh, as of right now, you might enjoy um, brunch with nerd cave retro.
2: Fantastic.
3: We'll just say that they should give us mimosas. For the panel,
2: yeah, we should with with some non alcoholic sparkling cider (laughs) (laughs) for the kids. Yeah, but I will eat some chicken and waffles though. I whenever
3: you're whenever you're in town, I might have to introduce you to some good chicken and waffles.
2: Oh yeah, I'm I'm always down for that. Yeah. That'd we'll, we'll it, talk about it and that's making me hungry so we're gonna go ahead and get out of here so I can go eat <laughs> <laughs> but let me go ahead and play our music here if you would like to email us you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com we're at nerdcaveretro.com we're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro uh, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and go throw us a couple of bucks a month get us back up to that $50 level so we can give you those extra episodes every month if you can't do that can't throw us a buck a month leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are sold so Derek please tell them what it's all about this is the way
4: monkey